Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. We're back with part two of the Blues Brothers in our series on joy. In part one, we talked about how to have joy in any circumstance. We looked at the example of how Jake and Elwood go through all of these different scenarios, all of these different environments, and in each one, they find the best way possible to use what they have and what they can control to have joy just boil up inside of them and overflow to the people around them, whether it's the band or the audience. In part two, we're gonna continue that discussion looking at how joy scales. We wanna understand the impact that we have by having joy on the people around us. As a leader, it makes sense to me that I want to have joy in my daily life. I want to be like Elwood when he's up on stage, always finding a way to have fun, even when we might be at the Western bar where the people are throwing things at me. I'll find a way to laugh, find a way to get people excited, find a way to make a pivot based on what we have access to at the time. Because people really want to feel joy. Joy is contagious. And if that's the case, then how can we become wells of joy, but also be able to leverage our network of joy around us? And I think we see some examples here of how the Blues Brothers are able to do that and how they're really able to build up joy through these sequential wins, even if the wins aren't necessarily what the outside world would call a win. So let's take a look at how to spread joy and inspire people. Welcome to Wonder Tour. This is Brian. I'm here with Drew, part two of the Blues Brothers, episode two of our sequence on joy, episode 91 as we close in on the fabled episode 100. This is fabulous. So let's talk about this movie. So I've got a couple of fun historical notes I want to make through the course of this episode. There's uh, just because of the context of this movie and all the personalities involved, there's some fun things to think about. But I do want to start off with one caveat that we didn't mention last week, um, which is just that this is, of course, a now a 40-year-old movie as we record this, a 43-year-old movie. It shows its age in a couple ways. And one of the one of the subsets of characters that we get to see not experiencing very much joy in this movie is basically all the female characters. There's an element of misogyny in here that is undeniable. And I just wanted to put our caveat out there that we're not at all giving that a pass. It's kind of not the element that we're focusing on in this podcast. But we definitely see the the wives and female characters, the beloved interests are are not treated very well in this movie, which is pretty consistent with lyrics of blues songs, not to point too fine a point on it. Let's not accept that. Let's just acknowledge that that's maybe an artifact of its era and focus more on the spreading of the joy elements that we do see that resonate with us down through today. That's perfect, Brian. Good to think about those things. And then in the true wonder tour way, we want to consider those conflicts and then be able to move forward and then figure out how do we learn from flawed humans because we ourselves are flawed humans. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it, it, depending on who you are as you're watching, if you watch this movie, elements of it may strike you in different ways. But I think the core thing that we're talking about here, which is the how do we share our joy? How do we share our experience of being both good at something and doing something together and aligned to a higher purpose with as many people as possible? Of course, we'd like to encompass both genders and all other dimensions of diversity as we do that. 
let's strive for that in our magnanimous leadership journey. So having said that, let's circle back around to the movie. Okay, so we've had our triumphant survival of the Bob's Country Bunker experience, which has led us into yet another car chase. We're building up our we're building up our enemies because it's a it's an inverse heist movie, and so of course you got to have some some people in pursuit. So then the band's next stop is to go try to schedule the the actual gig, the gig that will be successful, the gig that will actually earn them some money. And so they hunt down a former concert promoter, and they're sort of trying to some combination of sweet talk and blackmail him into helping them out. So what's the what's the approach here, and why why would he help them, or what what are the elements here that they're trying to leverage to be able to get to the next step of their journey? Yeah, I love how, like you said, again, they're leveraging everything at their disposal, especially their charisma and joy. And they have a very weird charisma and joy. It's something that you don't necessarily want to exhibit yourself, or at least I don't. I'm not like, yeah, I want to be this straight-faced, joyful person the way that Elwood is. But some people might aspire to that. And for some people, that might make the most sense for their personality. And it doesn't limit you in your ability to have an influence and to engage with other people. I I love how they approach it with, well, like you said, they're they're kind of not taking no for an answer, which within a certain understanding is fine. Like there's times to not take no for an answer. There's times to have a strong conviction in a thing. And this is like a good game theory one where they're like, okay, our whole mission is that we got to get this $5,000 to save the orphanage. So we're not taking no for an answer because we're saving the orphanage or we're going to jail trying one way or the other. So they keep pressuring. They have that determination. Then the other side of it is they're just continuously leveraging their own joy with other people. They're they're trying to get people to believe in themselves almost because not not believe in the Blues Brothers, but to believe in themselves. They're having this weird contagion of joy moment, even with the concert promoter, where they're like, oh, but trust us, this is going to be great. They're like they have, they have the utmost confidence that, oh, yeah, we just played this country bar for 100 people and it was not a total disaster. So, of course, we can play this huge ballroom for 5000 people or whatever. Yeah, it's a it's on the face of it, a ridiculous plan. And again, not everything in this movie is probably a good model for how to live your life. But if you think about, you know, Maurice Line, the concert promoter, is just sort of this avatar of like, what if you have a disinterested third party that you need to have, you know, support you in some way? They don't need him to 100% buy into the mission. They don't need him to actively participate in all the elements. They just need an okay, like, all right, fine. If you guys succeed, I get a little bit of success. And if you don't succeed, then you prove me right. Like, you know, it's almost like a dare. Like, fine, I don't think this is going to work at all. But if you think you can pull it off, then, you know, all right, fine. As long as I get a little bit of money out of it, then we're then we're okay. So those, I think those are real workplace moments, right? Those are real leadership moments where you've got to sort of figure out what the angle is on the sponsor, the neutral third party, the the partner that you need to just do just enough to get you off a of top dead center to unlock the door for you. Because they're, you know, they acknowledge that they can't do everything themselves. You know, again, they're looking for any little sliver of an opportunity. But that's a that's a real challenge, right? Sometimes you just you get people where they're they're not going to buy into the mission. Like they they're not there for your joy. They're not there. They're purely self interested. But if you can find a way to sort of leverage that self interest into just permission, then you can go run as hard at the goal as you can imagine. And I think if you bring a lot of joy to it with the determination, with some ingenuity, that's a good recipe for dealing with those people without having to sacrifice any of who you are, without having to give up the way that you normally operate. Because if you're normally a joyful person who's creating new ways of working and trying to find alternative ways to solve problems, then 
you don't really want to give that up and follow. Oh gosh, I got to follow the standard route. I'm going to have to play these five different concert venues and sequentially build myself up in order to be able to get to the point where I can play this thing. It's like, I'm just going to continue to play the game. If you're just determined and you're determined in a either negative way or a off-putting way, that can be a recipe for creating conflict that is not going to get you where you want to go. But if we're determined in ways that are joyful and that, like you said, are a good pitch, they're they're pitching it in a way that's like, even if we fail, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's like, right. okay, so eventually you beat people down and they're just like, all right, fine. Like, you know, yeah. you're you clearly you mean well. Clearly, it's not going to be a total disaster, I guess. Let's just try it. I, yeah. I just, you got to shut up at some point. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not advocating blackmail here at all. But we but the pitch of we're 100 percent committed to this. And if we win, you win a little bit. And if we fail, you haven't really lost anything is a pretty compelling pitch. Right. Yep. <laughs> right. Like, you know, and we're so committed that we're just going to be really annoying. And if you and if you say no, then we're just going to annoy you. Like, well, that's that's a non-trivial what thing, right? Like, you know, they you know, the you have to get the no three times before you get the yes is a saying that I've heard, right? Sometimes sometimes you just have to be persistent. So it works, right? They get through the they get the concert promoters like, all right, I'll get you this big hall that's big enough that you could have the success that you need. It's your job, you gotta get people there. And so then we have the the promotional montage. Instead of a training montage, we have a we have a one day blitz of northern Illinois blanketing them with flyers and uh, driving around with a microphone on the on the car, trying to get as many people as possible to be aware of this thing and just sort of inventing reasons to go as they go along. Elwood's just riffing the entire time. And in classic movie fashion right various obstacles arise and they, they end up late to the gig they run out of gas the thing's out of gas that, that there's there's a bunch of problems and so improbably it's coming together it looks like it's going to happen there is a there is a stage there are it's everything set up audience shows up all of the supporting forces the audience and the band are there all of the opposing forces the nazis and the good old boys and the police are there um so you have this recipe for epic you know triumphant success or epic spectacular failure but then the band leaders aren't there on time they ran out of gas and they're 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 running behind schedule and the audience is getting restless and it looks like it's going to all fall apart so are we ready for our mountaintop here yeah, let's hit it. All right. So what so what so what happens here? What is what's the what's the thing that saves the day and buys them enough time to actually get on stage and do their thing? The team that they've been building here, you got some people who are more background members, some people who are more foreground members, but they they have to figure out how to operate on their own. So this is a classic leadership example where you might have led everybody up to this point, you did most of the planning. When the decision needs to be made, you're there to make the decision. But this isn't an age of cell phones and internet, so they're not able to just call up the Blues Brothers and get direction on, okay, you're not here yet? Like, when are you going to be here and what should we do? So the team has to use what they've learned from the Blues Brothers, use everything that they have access to, just like we talked about in the last episode, and they have to do their best to emulate what the Blues Brothers would do. So the moment that we get here is Minnie the Moocher. Where we get Curtis, who's kind of their mentor originally for Jake and Elwood. And Curtis is like, all right, like, let's just get everybody together and try something. He's like, I can I can do this one thing. It'll probably go over. OK, again, it's kind of like a lesson learned from the last show that they played at the Western Bar. But the band buys in. They're like, OK. And they probably wouldn't buy in if they hadn't seen this sort of thing work in the past because Elwood had already tried it once. It's like the sequential building up of wins that we see here. And this one's a much bigger win because we don't just see the audience 
getting excited and continuing to throw beer bottles even when they're excited at the chicken wire. But we see the audience actually get into the call and response. Like, this is what they needed. And it isn't even the Blues Brothers themselves. It shows that joy is contagious and joy passes from the Blues Brothers to the band through all their interactions. And then it passes out to the audience from the band. Yep, absolutely. So I love this moment for a bunch of different reasons. So we'll start with the we'll start with the historical context that I, I warned you I was going to bring in. So right, so so this the the musician, the guy playing Curtis, is Cab Calloway. He was a kind of at the intersection of blues and jazz and pop music in the early part of the in the you know the early part of the 1900s. So he was in 1930. Cab Calloway is 23 years old. He's making $50,000 a year, running his own band and has a syndicated radio show, driving a Lincoln Continental or whatever Lincoln product at the height of the Depression. He's a 23-year-old black man. Right. So he is he's basically Michael Jackson and Kanye before they were in the 30s. And he's had this long, successful career and kind of faded out of the public eye. And this was the, the Blues Brothers movie was him sort of coming back into cultural pop culture awareness. So he's obviously got this whole history, and this is one of his famous songs from the 30s that he's that he's singing. But in the context of the movie, he's Curtis, right? He's their mentor. He's kind of been the Obi-Wan character who helped raise them and taught them all about this music. And so he's got some self-interest, too. He needs this to succeed because the place he lives is going to be shut down. But this is sort of his journey coming full circle where he has shared this with Jake and Elwood. And so then they pass it along. They've carried along. They've trained up this band. This band is now behind him. The curtain opens, he gets out on stage, and what the audience sees is not a seven-year-old black man who's desperately trying to keep the gig alive. They see vintage Cab Calloway with a big band behind him with risers and a grand piano and a tux, right? Like, you know, the force of charisma, the force of, like, we're going to have so much joy that you just can't help but see us in a new light, just all comes together. And then the song is perfect, right? Because on the one hand, it's a song about a prostitute getting material things that she needs, and the other hand, it's an audience call and response. Like you said, like it invites the audience to actively participate in the song, to sing back, to jump on top of, you know, and amplify what the what he's expressing, which is just this sheer joy. So it's an incredible moment, both sort of musically and culturally and in the movie like this. Like you said, everybody's buying into the concept, even the police like John Candy's like, hey, I've never heard these guys play. Let's see, let's see how good they are. Right. Like everybody's sort of open to the potential. Or everybody that has, you know, that isn't in uniform is open <laughs> to the potential of the moment. Um, and so it's really cool. And that's what bridges it across. Like it gets the audience super engaged. It gets the band like, no, this is great. We are, we are that great. We are the Blues Brothers and we're back. And this is going to be a fabulous gig. And that buys them enough time for the Blues Brothers to finally make their appearance and kind of seal the deal. Yeah, the people rise to their potential. The band, first and foremost, rises to their potential of the occasion. The biggest stage they've probably ever played on. The greatest gig they maybe are ever going to play. And they all rise to the occasion. And the audience also rises to the occasion, right? The audience came in with very low expectations. Maybe not of themselves, but maybe. And, and definitely of whatever they were going to see there. You see at the beginning, they're all just like silently out there like, okay, what's this going to be? They're kind of starting to get fidgety and then they rise up, they stand up. So I, I think that the this just fits into the narrative that we always talk about here, the subverting narrative, 
that when you do things differently than the culture expects or than the world expects, if you're doing it selflessly, if you're doing it to see others succeed, it can create this wave. It can create this seismic shift in how people operate. And then they can carry it on themselves even when you're not even there. Yeah. And like we talked about a little bit in the in the, the last episode, right? Everybody shows up. The audience is there because they got this audacious promise. It's going to be this fabulous gig at the Palace Hotel Ballroom. Everybody should show up. Like, you know, they're 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 relentlessly promoting this thing. The audience is skeptical. They're quiet. They're a little bit irritated that they're being made to wait this long, but they're open to the joy. Like, we're here. We want to see something great. Like you said it was going to be great. Just show it to us. Like they're just waiting for it to be unlocked. And so that's one of the things that we see over and over again in this movie is just that that sense that people are amenable to the audacious pitch. People are amenable to being invited into a joyful experience, whether they're the band members who historical note, this is the actual like Motown. Like, these guys are all legends. Everybody behind the Blues Brothers has had a long, successful career and is and is a, a virtuoso in their own right that you never heard of because they were backing other people on all those old Motown records. Whether you're a band member who's, you know, who's just looking for an opportunity to do your thing in the most rewarding, most collaborative possible setting, or whether you're an audience member or somebody on the street outside of Ray's Music Exchange that's just like open to the idea that something joyful might happen in your life and you just enjoy participating in it. I love that you brought that in as well. Because initially I was kind of thinking about it from the first angle of the being the spontaneously joyful leader that inspires other people. And I think looking at it from the perspective of the audience is really important, too, because as leaders, we don't always want to be the center of attention. We don't always want to be the people that have to do the inspiring. We want to sometimes get to sit in the audience and be inspired by some other art that somebody else is doing that I'm not even capable of, or even some art that somebody's doing that maybe I am capable of. I'm on that level, but wow, I want to be wowed by what they're doing. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be too competitive about it. I want to be wowed. I want to be able to stand up and clap and give a call and response. Yes, yes. So call back to the conversation we were having pre-show, like the the discarded what ifs of like, what if the Blues Brothers were engineers? What if the Blues Brothers were accountants? I think is the one that ChatGVD came up with, right? Like, but it's kind of funny if you think about it, right? Like there's, there aren't a lot of professions where you could on a day or a week's notice get 5,000 people to share your joy, right? You know, and this is, you know, if we talk about it in like, you know, kind of startup or business language, like adding value in the world, like how do you add enough value in the world that 5,000 people would give me a couple dollars for a cover charge? Like, what could I possibly do? There are professions where that's very hard or where it takes years to develop a product so that you could then scale it out, right? But there are, you know, the framing of this movie, you know, if you're a musician, (laughs) trust me, it's hard to get 5,000 people to listen to you as a musician. But you have the tools that if you could get their attention, you absolutely could share with them and they could share it with each other at the same time. And that kind of builds on itself. Like you said, we're talking about sharing the joy, spreading it wider and demonstrating to them like, hey, this is what it can look like. Music is a really good intuitive example of what the combination of human individual skill and collaboration and you know internal creativity, when all those things come together, how powerful it can be. And you can sort of watch it happen on stage in front of you and you can watch it happen as an audience member. So that's a that's a thing to aspire to, right? That's a thing to to recognize. Like what are those opportunities where you can participate in it or just get people that would enjoy observing it or enjoy having that in their environment? 
think as we move forward and try to mature our working models for joy, some of the things, just like we do normally in a series, that we're going to want to pick up on are what are the tactics, what are the rituals that we can do in order to increase our joy. And the nice thing about joy, just like a lot of these other series that we've done, is it's kind of a core piece of being a magnanimous leader. Joy is this long game that we're playing. It's not taking the easy route. It's playing the long game and focusing on becoming people of good character and helping others to become people of good character. Because I think inherently, somebody who has strong magnanimous character is a well of joy. (laughs) It's just, it comes with being magnanimous. That every person who's ever, who I have ever met, who is on that magnanimous spectrum has a great level of joy to them, whether it shows up in the way that it's the Elwood's joy shows up, where within a context, it just overflows, or whether it overflows from them with everything that you see them do and say. Magnanimous people are filled with joy, and it's despite whatever's happening around them. It doesn't matter that Elwood and Jake are almost certainly going to get arrested at the end of this. They're still able to enjoy that moment being there. They're able to have these positive energy rituals that they do in every single scene of the movie where they're reframing the situation that seems like it's bleak for them. It seems like something's about to go wrong and they reframe it with joy. They reframe it to a musical. They use what they have. And for us to be able to figure out how to do that, I think like we've kind of gone through here, Brian. Number one, people respond well to joy, even when they're not magnanimous. It's a human thing. Sometimes people are resistant to it, but just like the concert promoter, people do respond fairly well to joy. So it's a good thing to try. Number two, joy helps people step up to a level that they didn't know existed, or even maybe that they wanted to get to. We see that with the band. We see that with the audience. We see that with how Curtis has mentored the Blues Brothers. He, despite their modest situation sets them up to be joyful people in their lives. And then lastly, to put ourselves in the perspective of others, we got to be open to the joy that other people are putting out, not just to be the the wells of joy, but to help other people to, to take their joy, to give back joy to them when they're doing their thing. Yeah, I can't add anything to that one. I think you're I think you're spot on there. And I think this is a really strong start to our series on joy and exploring kind of how that works in the context of leadership, how that exploring that works, how you can be magnanimous and purpose driven, but not in a sort of domineering or, you know, nose to the grindstone way. Like you got to do the work. You got to You got to drive around with a microphone and tell people about what's coming. But you also you have to share that in the spirit of why it's going to be great and align it. You know, we talked a little bit about alignment and how you align the purpose with the thing that you're naturally good at or willing to work to become good at. So this is going to be great. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode on Joy, the Blues Brothers. In our next episode, we're going back to a classic TV show for another voyage. We're going back to The Office. We're going to talk about season one, episode five, basketball. And then we're going to talk about season four, episodes one and two that are a two-parter, the fun run. And of course, we're going to look at our classic example of the flawed leader in Michael Scott. Thanks again for joining us. And just remember, as always, character is destiny. 